Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 7. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. God used Paul's training in scriptures, and he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. At the same time, Paul realized all of his learning was nothing compared to having the knowledge that comes from the Holy Spirit. Are you listening? You can have all the degrees you want on your wall. You can have all the letters you want after your name. You can have an AA and an MBA and a triple A and a, and a, and a, and a, and a MDiv and a DIV and a DDD and, and an ABC. And a, you, can have all, you can have all them letters after your name. You get what I'm saying. But if you listen to me close, are not called and anointed by God to preach the word of God, it will do you no good. What we are talking about, I'm waiting till you clap your hands. We are talking about something that is of God. The pulpit is of God. The preaching is of God. These words are coming from God. How many people do we know that have gone to seminary and they're not good preachers? Amen. Now, I know some have gone to seminary and they're great preachers. And I know some that's gone to seminary and they're not good preachers. Because it takes anointing. These words are the words of the living God. These are not words of natural man. And therefore, it takes a living God to breathe life into these words. Let me tell you a little secret. After every sermon that I prepare, after every single one of them, I have a friend of mine who always asks me, hey, are you ready? And I tell him, I tell him each and every time, you know what, I can't. Honestly, it's not a matter of being ready. It's a matter of anointing. It's a matter of, has God taken the words that I've put on this paper and breathed life into them? This is about anointing. God doesn't need qualified people. Remember, God qualifies the called. Am I right about it? We think of the 12 uh, disciples. These were ordinary, blue-collar, uneducated, untrained fishermen and tax collectors. These were blue-collar guys. And in Acts chapter 14, it tells us, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized, what somebody read it with me, that they had been with Jesus. See, that's the point. When it comes to understanding the scriptures, no amount of education can give you the knowledge of God. It has to come from God. 
I've had people tell me that they're going to go into the ministry. And I'll tell them, you want to go into the ministry? They go, yeah, I'm going to go to seminary. I'll tell them, you know what? How about this? Why don't you keep that on the table for a minute? And if you really want to go into the ministry, and they go, yeah, I really want to serve. I want to go into the ministry. I'm going to go into seminary. I say, why don't you keep that? Hold that for a second. You go into a ministry? Why don't you grab that Hoover vacuum cleaner over there and vacuum up this whole church? Because the ministry... The ministry is where the people are. The ministry is not behind a desk in a classroom. The ministry is vacuuming the church in a sanctuary because you're all going to come in here and don't, you can't walk through trash. The ministry is cleaning the bathroom in the bathroom. Don't y'all know it takes somebody to clean that bathroom? Y'all go in there and go, oh, Calvary Chapel so clean. <laughs> don't you know that somebody doing the work of the ministry to clean that bathroom? So the ministry is where the people are. You go to the place where the people are and, and, and need ministry. That's where you can find ministry. I've told you many, many times. I, I've never been to seminary. Uh, I barely got out of 12th grade. And uh, my mother was here last week. Good thing she ain't here now. She'll tell you all the whole story. And uh, I barely got out of 12th grade. And I... I just, I just was not, you know, some people are very academic like that, and they like classroom and stuff, and I just, I just didn't. And, um, but it was really interesting because I was very good with grammar and English and um, 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 like, uh, what do you call it, like reading comprehension. Uh, that's what they called it back then. Now they've got all different kind of titles like math. You know, back then they call it math now. They used to call it arithmetic. Y'all remember arithmetic? Where are my people at? Y'all got to be 50 or older to remember arithmetic. <laughs> Some of y'all giving it away. But, but you, you remember that arithmetic. And, and, you know, and I was good in those kind of things, but I didn't really like classroom. And, and I, just, I just never really, really got it. I'd never been to, to, to seminary. And then people ask me often, especially people that, you know, have maybe don't know me and are new to church after service, they'll go, oh, Pastor Rodney, I just enjoyed the service so much. Oh, where, where did you go to seminary? And I tell them, oh, well, I went to UHS. They go, UHS? What is UHS? What seminary is UHS? The University of the Holy Spirit. That's where I went. They go, oh, I see. I went to the University of the Holy Spirit. God taught me, listen, and I have been very clear to tell you, God has taught me every single thing that I know about the scriptures. God has taught me. And it has come with spending time with Jesus. Y'all remember last week, were you with me? I was telling you about the Volkswagen van again, and I used to go in for lunch. Uh, I used to have my lunch in a Volkswagen van again. And, um, and y'all remember, that, you know, like the van again now is kind of corny, but back then that was a cool, cool car. We had nice, it was gray. We had tinted windows. And remember the wheel in the van again was kind of like a bus? And, uh, man, I was rolling deep. I was... I was rolling. I thought my mannequin was cool. I mean, back then, those mannequins, y'all remember those mannequins? They were kind of cool back then. So, I, and I remember, like, you know, they would say, hey, Finch, Finch, man, we going over to, you know, uh, at, the, at the ale bale place to get lunch and uh, get some chicken wings. You want to go with us? No, I'm, you know what, I'm going to just go ahead and have lunch. And I used to bring my peanut butter and jelly sandwich, my tuna fish sandwich, and I would get in my Volkswagen van again. 
And I would sit there and listen to Pastor Chuck. This is how I learned the Bible. I would sit there and listen to Pastor Chuck Smith every single day at 12 o'clock, Monday through Friday. At 12 o'clock, he was going through the book of Romans. And I would listen to Pastor Chuck, and my Bible was so full of notes. I would take notes right here. I never dawned on me to get a piece of paper. It just, it just didn't for four years. It never dawned on me. And my notes, and I can show you that Bible today. You can't even read the words on the page. I got so many notes in it. And I sat in there, and that was my classroom. And God taught me his word then. And then later on, I led a guy, you heard his name before, his name is Anthony Ruby. I led Anthony Ruby to the Lord at his house over a spaghetti dinner with him and his wife, me and my wife. And uh, I felt like I needed to, you know, disciple him. So, you know, and, you know, by the way, side note, if you lead somebody to the Lord, it's your responsibility to disciple them. Uh-huh. Four people agree with that. That's shocking. So I, you know, I felt like I needed to disciple. So I used to listen to Chuck Smith, Pastor Chuck, at Tuesday at twelve o'clock, and then I would have my group, my discipleship with Anthony on Thursdays at twelve o'clock, and I would basically tell him the very same thing I just learned from Pastor Chuck Smith. So he, I'd have Bible study with him, and he'd go, "You know what? You are so profound." You are so deep, so learned, so profound. I go, well, somebody has to be, what can I say? I never told him that. I was just telling him what I just learned from Pastor Chuck two days ago, you know. But I was just, you know, what was really important was that, 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 that you know Jesus. Not that you know about Jesus, but that you know, you know, there's so many people who know Jesus, but, but know about Jesus, but Jesus wants you to know him personally. They marveled. I'm waiting while you clap your hands. They marveled. Because they had spent time with Jesus. Listen, I, I heard this story. I got to read it to you. And God, God, give me grace. Look, listen to this story. At the University of Chicago Divinity School each year, they have what is called Baptist Day. And Baptist Day is when all the Baptists are invited to school to raise money for the school. Well, everybody brings their lunch and they eat outside on the grass. Each year they would invite some of the greatest minds to lecture. Well, this year they invited Dr. Paul Tillage. Dr. Tillage spoke two and a half hours proving the resurrection of Jesus was false. Well, he quoted scholar after scholar and book after book, and he concluded that there was no such thing as the historical resurrection, that religious tradition of the church was groundless, emotional mumbo-jumbo, because it was based on a relationship with a risen Jesus who, in fact, never rose from the dead, he said, and then he asked if there was any questions. Well, about 30 seconds, an old, dark-skinned preacher with a head of woolly white hair stood up in the back, and he said, Dr. Tillage, I got one question. All eyes turned on him. He reached into his sack lunch and pulled out an apple and began eating it. Dr. Tillage, crunch munch. My question is a simple question, crunch munch. Now, I did never read them books you talked about, Crunch Munch, and I can't recite those scriptures in the original Greek, Crunch Munch, and I don't know nothing about all them scholars, Crunch Munch. 
And he finished his apple. All I want to know is, he said, this apple I just ate, was it bitter or sweet? Dr. Tillich paused for a moment and answered in exemplary scholarly fashion. I cannot possibly answer that question for I haven't tasted your apple. The white-haired preacher dropped the core of his apple into his crumpled paper bag and looked up at Dr. Tillage and said calmly, neither have you tasted my Jesus. <laughs> Don't you love that? Question, are you a person who knows about God? Or are you a person who has actually come to know God? Because let me tell you something, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Not knowing about Jesus is one thing, but knowing Jesus is another. No amount of education can bring you to the place of knowing Jesus. Crunch munch. (laughs) They marvel. They were astonished at the way Jesus spoke. Look at verse 15. How does this man know letters having never learned? If they can't knock his teaching, they try and knock his education. They can't get him on his knowledge, so they go for his background. They've done this before. They said, what does he know? He came from Nazareth. They said, what is this guy saying? He's the son of a carpenter, as if a carpenter's son can't know anything. Look at verse 16. Jesus said, my doctrine is not mine, but it is his that sent me. In other words, I'm not teaching what I think. I got it straight from God. Ouch. Jesus says, you're right. My doctrine is different from yours because I got my doctrine straight from God. You got yours from the rabbis. Jesus is making it undeniably clear that I'm not just shooting off at the mouth. The things that I speak, I'm speaking because I got it right from headquarters. Jesus says, I'm a mouthpiece of the one who sent me namely God. The rabbis got their authority by being faithful to the teacher who taught them. And Jesus gets his authority by being faithful to God himself who speaks directly through him. And Jesus says, my teaching is not mine, but it is his who sent me. Listen, Jesus knows everything. He knows the mind of God. Write it down. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Jesus knew the very thoughts of God the Father. Listen, we don't have time. Promise me you'll look up these verses later. Chapter 5, verse 19. The Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father. Chapter 6, verse 39. This is the will of the Father who sent me. Chapter 10, verse 15, as the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. Listen, the only way for Jesus to know the will of God and the mind of God, he would have to be God. And Jesus always has a complete consciousness of God's mind and action. And watch this, not only does Jesus know the mind of God, but he knows the mind of man. Write it down, John 5, 42, Jesus said, I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. No wonder the officer said, no man ever spoke like this, John seven forty six. Jesus' knowledge was so overwhelming, they knew it couldn't be human. Point number two, you should believe that Jesus is the Christ and believe his claims because of his test. Look at verse 17. I had you read it with me, didn't I? 
If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. Real simple. If anyone wants to do the will of God, he can. He can know of the doctrine if it's of God or is Jesus speaking of himself. In other words, Jesus is saying, if you think I'm shooting off my head or if you're questioning, did I really get it from God? Here's the test. If you honestly, genuinely, really down in your heart are willing to do what God wants, you will know. How can someone know if Jesus' teaching is of God? According to this verse, if that person is willing to do his will, he will know whether a person is speaking from God or not. In other words, listen, write this down. The condition of knowing is willing. The condition of knowing is is willing. I told you last week, Jesus never commits himself to unbelief. Say it with me. Jesus never commits himself to unbelief. I need everybody to say it with me. Jesus never commits himself to unbelief. Say it again. Jesus never commits himself to unbelief. Concerning unbelief, Jesus always confounds it and condemns it. He never yields to a hard, unwilling, faithless heart. There must always be an honest desire to know and to do his will. If you're willing to know, you will know. It's that simple. That's the test. And the reason people do not own up to the truth, listen, the reason people do not own up to the truth of what Jesus teaches is not the lack of sufficient evidence. It's their will. I'm going to say that again. The reason people do not own up to the truth of what Jesus teaches is not a lack of evidence. It's their will. We might say it's their hard heart. It's against God. The fundamental problem is not intellectual. It's moral. The problem is in deficient resources, but deep rebellion against God. People can't see the truth because their will is insubordinate against the authority of God. Am I right about it? People can't see the truth because their will is insubordinate against the authority of God. If you want to know if Jesus is who he claimed to be, you come to him and you say, listen, I'm trying to help you. If you want to know if Jesus is who he says he is, then you come to him and you say, God, I really want to know. And I am willing to do your will. And I promise you, based on the authority of scripture, if you come to God that way, God will answer you and you will know. (laughs) Write it down. Jeremiah 29, 13. You seek me, you find me, when you search for me with half your heart. Ah, with all your heart. Deuteronomy 4, 29. But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Psalm 119, 2. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. If you come to Jesus with reservations, you'll never know. Listen, here's how it works. Right willing is the foundation of right knowing. 
Did you get that? Right willing is the foundation of right knowing. You will know that Jesus is from God when your will is so transformed that you will what God wills. When your desires are God's desires. When your passions are God's passions. When your preferences are God's preferences. When your willing syncs up with God's willing, your knowing will be in sync with his truth. A rebellious will toward God produces a blind eye toward Jesus. Number three, we got to move on. You should believe Jesus because of his selflessness. Look at verse 18. He who speaks of himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true. Really simple. If a man's life is devoted to magnifying and glorifying God and not his own glory, then he is true. In order to recognize the truth of Jesus, you need to see that his life is devoted to the glory of God. And this is beautiful. Because every phony Messiah, every charlatan, every crook, every false savior of the world has ever known has been in it for two reasons. Money and ego. Usually they've got an unbelievably glorified ego and a fantastic scheme to make money. Everything is about them and for them. The world is full of a bunch of religious phonies. And one of the reasons we know and believe that Jesus is true is because he never sought his own glory. Saints, I need you to say amen. Jesus said in verse 18, Jesus said, I'm not seeking my own glory. Look at verse 18. He said, I'm not seeking my own glory. I seek the glory of the Father. The way to pick out a true Savior is look for the one who isn't seeking glory. He's the one who stoops down and washes the feet of the disciples. He's the one who came not to be ministered to, but to minister. He's the one who came to lay down his life. He's the one who lies down flat on the cross while they nail him there. He's the one who makes no money and has no home and takes nothing and just gives and gives and gives and gives. False messiahs don't do that. Number four, Jesus, you should believe his claims because of his impact in verse 19 through 20. Look at verse 19. Y'all with me? Look at verse 19. Did not Moses give you the law and yet none of you keeps the law? Why are you trying to kill me? Another reason we know that Jesus is the real deal because if he wasn't, they would have never wanted to kill him. He never would have caused the hatred toward him that he caused. Did y'all get that? We know Jesus is the real deal because they want to kill him. Jesus said the world loves its own. And if the world hates you, it's because you're not part of it, John 15, 18. Jesus is saying the world hates me because I'm not part of it. Mr. and Mrs. Christian, the world will hate you too if you're not part of it. If you don't go along with the political correctness, the world will hate you. If you don't go along with the various agendas of the world, and God knows this world has so many agendas. And it's crazy. It's crazy. 
And the world, listen, you shouldn't go along with the world. I'm only talking to Christians now. If you're not a Christian, go to sleep. I'm talking to Christians. Say amen, my people. The world hates you. That's why you shouldn't go along with the world, because they hate you. You don't stand for what they stand for. And that's why I don't understand why is the church trying to conform to the world, when in fact the world hates us. And the world is trying to come into the church, and it's unbelievable how the church is conforming to the world and becoming like the world and allowing the world to polarize ourselves. Oh, the church is all divided over the world's political correctness and their agendas. Are you hearing me? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.